This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join is their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. I'm your host, Yue Shu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host, Julie Krafchick. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. We are excited you've joined us for an older episode. While our earlier seasons were all about dating in San Francisco, we quickly realized all the themes and learnings are universal for all daters. So we shifted to covering dating from all around the world as the seasons progress. The fun part is things happen first in San Francisco, the tech epicenter and counterculture capital of the world. We love for you to keep tuning in to our older episodes, but there is no set order to listen in. So feel free to jump to more recent seasons or relevant episodes for you. Enjoy the show. The Dateable Podcast is hosted by UA, that's me, and my co-host Michael Vargas. Michael's a dating coach who holds a master's in clinical psychology, and I, a former dating coach in New York, am now an active dater in San Francisco. This episode of Dateable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. 500 Brunches connects like-minded people with similar interests to meet in real life over brunch. You answer a quick questionnaire about your interests and how you spend your time, and then they'll match you in small groups of six to eight at a brunch spot in San Francisco. Get a free entry into a brunch now by signing up at 500brunches.com and using the code DATEABLE. 
Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show that opens up a candid conversation about dating in San Francisco. On each episode, we dissect a dating story, and today we have a special treat because not only are we going to get to hear dating stories, hopefully, but we get to hear them from the founder of a dating app called The League. We have Amanda Bradford in my studio. I don't know why I'm clapping. There's a ton of people in this studio. The crowd's going wild. Standing ovation. So Amanda, first of all, let's just, you know, I just want to talk about you. You're an actual person. You're like <laughs> sitting here in front of me. She drinks wine as well. You know, chocolate she's like a she, chocolate covered pretzel. She's a real person. Tell me about why you started the league. I mean, I think it was a combination of things. I was in business school towards the end. And if you've ever been to business school, it's sort of like a mad frenzy to, to pair up the first year. And I was actually in a relationship of five years. So I kind of missed the, the feeding frenzy. Um, so, you know, business school is ending. I was about to go into the real world and I, you know, tried online dating for the first time. I had never done it. Um, I'd always been in, I was in a three-year relationship and I jumped right into a five-year relationship. So I'd always kind of been in some sort of relationship. Serial monogamous. Yeah, I mean, I tried online dating and there's a couple of like issues that I had with a lot of the apps and the sites out there. And then I think coupled with the fact that you know, I was leaving this kind of awesome, really close-knit community at Stanford, and I kind of wanted to prolong that. Or I guess if you've been to college, it's the same experience. When you graduate college, you know, that community feeling really falls away. So I think I wanted to, like, both kind of recreate the college experience and then also, you know, improve my dating life and kind of fix some of the issues that I had with like Tinder and OkCupid where you kind of feel like you're listing yourself on this meat market and people think you're kind of saying, hey, I want a one night stand when that's not really what you're saying. And so mm. kind of rebranding like what online dating is and like saying that it's, it's okay to use online dating. It doesn't mean you're trying to get laid that night. It doesn't mean you're, you know, trying to hook up. You could actually be looking for for someone to date and this could be high caliber people that actually have interests in doing something other than you know a hookup and so I think yeah it was a it was kind of a combination of those things that I like looked to my left and looked to my right and I was like well I should just build this. You were in a relationship when you were in business school right. and then it ended after Towards the end. Towards the end. And this person was not in business school. Right. With you. Okay. Which is a very common situation. That's, yeah, because yeah, most people break up within the first year, right? right. We, I'm really yeah. go the extra mile. You really, you're yeah, really I loyal. Really yeah. Now, after business school, you're single, you just got out of this five year relationship. Didn't you look back at your classmates and you're like, actually, that guy could have been pretty good or I mean you had a really good inventory don't you yeah. think to pick from I don't think you should have to do that I guess my issue was like why do we have to pay two hundred thousand dollars and go to sleepaway camp <laughs> to like meet other driven single like high achieving people what was the reaction you got from your peers when you started talking about it with them I, I mean I think a lot of the same issues I had I didn't know I kind of thought were pretty niche like maybe it was just me and I'm like super type a and weird and private and have all these like weird qualms about things and I actually found out that it was very much you know a common issue that a lot of both women and men had around like feeling like you're listing yourself on a meat market worried about who's screenshotting your profile feeling like you're kind of 
saying that you want to hook up just because of the certain brand of that site. So I think one time I described it as like, we didn't want to be like the all-you-can-drink bar in Cancun. We wanted to be like, you know, a nice cocktail lounge where, you know, you can't like be screaming with your shirt off and doing keg stands. Right. You don't want to be bar none. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Wait, so uh, that's a good <laughs> Approaching yeah. a woman who started a dating app is a lot different than a classmate, right? I mean, I dated a guy from the league for a year who only knew me as like the dating app Amanda. And I was still a new identity to me. I was like, oh, I'm like, you know, I used to be the volleyball player Amanda or like the Google Amanda. And so it was like a new identity. And I remember he was like, yeah, you're like the league girl. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And he, so I think that was really interesting that he, he like had a really hard time like grappling with it. And he was like, I felt like I needed to be this certain person. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. And what is that certain person? I don't know. He was like, I felt like I wasn't like, successful enough and I was like uh, we've been dating for a year like <laughs> I think you clearly I think you're successful like Michael what would you think if you matched with Amanda on the league and you found out that she was the founder of the well, league I put it on my profile now oh it is on yeah, your profile yeah. okay well I mean it's a little hard to a little hard to hide who you are right <laughs> well I used to hide it I used to just say I used to lie but your pictures are on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I used to say I was like, I still like Google. And then I A-B tested and my score went up when I said who I was because I think people are nervous. I'll kick them out if they reject me. <laughs> so you get all these So I, get my, I got way more likes after I put that I was the founder. I love how founder. you A-B tested. <laughs> of course you did. So. But I want to know from a male standpoint, Michael, how would you approach Amanda if you guys match on the league? I'd be like a little nervous, but also pretty excited. So this is someone that already has a status, right? And in this environment, I wouldn't have a status. So clearly as going into someone, going to someone like that, there's a, a little bit of a status differential for sure. Well, I get some weird, I mean, my biggest pet peeve is that when as soon as people match with me, they start assuming that I'm like, looking at all their data as if I have oh, A, the time yeah. and B, the interest to like go ask the engineers to like, you know, <laughs> unencrypt everything and do these joins to go and like see who they're messaging. I don't think they mean it that way, but it, it always irks me because I'm like, really, you don't think I have more important things to do than like stalk <laughs> someone I've never met? That's like when I, when I expire, when I ghost people, that's usually that's why, why they. I'd love to hear more uh, of you talk about is the idea of this alpha female curious as to what is your perspective when you call yourself an alpha female like as, as a whole or is it a section or is it an aspect of you or is it an underlying part yeah I mean that's a good question I guess I guess it could translate into like all aspects of life but I guess I think of it as more of a personality like an ethos if you will of like who you are and I think that you know, I do make the first move. I do message first. I do invite myself to people's parties when I'm not invited. Like, it's almost like a, I think it's just a little bit about, like, how you live your life. And so I'm not going to change my plans to do something for a guy unless, you know, he really tells me that's important or whatever. I guess that there's just some aspects of your personality and that comes across in business. It comes across in dating. It comes across, like, how you even interact with your friends. I liked Michael's breakdown of, are you an alpha female as a whole? Or are you alpha female in certain aspects of your life? And I like this idea, I mean, in your LinkedIn article you wrote, 
I was an overeducated, career-obsessed, wannabe tech exec with little interest in playing the traditional doting girlfriend. You want to be the one redefining role in a relationship. So I want to know what is your idea of a perfect relationship? What is your role in that relationship? I guess I just think of it as like joint, <laughs> joint partnership where you know, there's like very open lines of communication. You know, they wouldn't expect you to cook any more than you expect them to cook. There wouldn't be these sort of hidden, hidden expectations. And I think, you know, one of the guys I dated, I remember told me, it was like, I always thought I was gonna end up with a, a woman that cooked for me. Cause he had like a really hard time dealing with the fact that I was like, the ROI on cooking is not there for us, especially as one person, even when there's two. I A-B tested them. I was like, I don't find joy in it. I don't think I cook any better than Sprig. So let's just use what's there. I am fine paying $3 more than, you know, I would pay by cooking the raw materials or whatever. So like, I just don't understand the value proposition of it. Uh, one of the things that as you're talking, it kind of brings up for me is the idea of feminism. And for me, I consider myself a feminist. And I, from what I've learned, there's different styles of feminism. There's one that's about um, bringing equality for the sexes. There's another one about bringing the rights of women to the surface because for so long, women have been put on the back burner. And I'm curious as, do you find yourself to be in any way, shape or form a feminist? I think it's a tough word just cause it's loaded with a lot of history and uh, kind of misrepresentation about what that word is. I remember talking to my mom about feminism. It's interesting, like she was always brought up to believe that like feminists were people that burned their bras and said like they should have kids without men and that they don't need men and the world would be better without men at all because what do we need men for except for their sperm and like you know, very, very like, you know, not crazy, but like very much Extreme. extremist and that became what feminism represented and so now everybody, including myself, is like scared to associate with that because no, you know, no one's saying that we don't want men or husbands or fathers or anything like that and so I think it's a it's a tough word and I actually consciously didn't use it in my blog post just because of the kind of visceral reaction people have with that word but I think if you actually research the word and Aziz Ansari does a great job of talking through this in Master of None it's a great show if anyone has it but if you look at like the actual definition of it is it is like exactly what you said it's it's just you know equality and we shouldn't just because women in general have done this for you know, decades, if not centuries, doesn't mean that that is like your role. With feminism, with the last couple of decades, we've been trying to redefine the female role, but we've forgotten about the male role. We've been forgetting to empower men to step up to the plate. I really think that men have no idea what to do anymore in relationships. I, it's hard, because I mean, I do, like everyone likes getting flowers, right? So I mean, I'm not gonna lie and say I don't love getting flowers from a guy that shows he's interested. But at the same time, like, why shouldn't the guy get something from the girl to, when she's interested? And why is it so one-sided? Mm -hmm. And just because in the past, that's how males were trained to, you know, find their wife is to like send them presents. Like, does that mean that that should be alive and well as a tradition in today's society? I, I don't know. I think if like you really sit and think about it, like, you know, is courtship, well, you know, what, if you actually like look at the history of courtship, like, you know, it was men were trying to find a, a wife or a, and a mother for their kids and to provide for. So they were sending gifts to show how much money they had and they were wooing the girl and the guy with the most money would be able to provide the best family stability. I mean, there's a lot of like deep <laughs> century long kind of embedded traditions that I think 
don't really make sense anymore. So back in the day, the idea of what men had to do versus what women had to do. And like the, when you mentioned earlier, how men are kind of becoming more obsolete, it, it's, 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 I didn't say that. I don't know who said that. Yeah, I don't think that was said. <laughs> that was not said, but it's true. Said, no, that, that was the extremist <laughs> feminist <laughs> view. <laughs> None of ours here. I'm sorry. If that was, that was a little too harsh of a word, but the general idea is that the value of men, at, at least I believe what I believe is that the value of men have gone down tremendously because what we used to have to do was provide. One of the jobs of a father was to make sure his daughter was safe and alive. And the one way that he could do that was to make sure she married well. That was one of his jobs. Now, women don't have to worry about that as much. So that makes men a little less necessary. And um, one of the things is that what you were talking about earlier, Yue, is men are getting confused. Because before they had like a defined purpose, a defined role, a, a specific... Like economic yeah. stability. And that was sort of part of the package that you were evaluating. And now, I mean, I think it's for the best. I think it now that that's off the table as far of like how you're scoring a potential match, then I think you can optimize on like personality compatibility and like sexual compatibility and, you know, intellectual compatibility. And there's like so many other aspects that now you can put more weight on than like, you know, how much money they make. Like, and it, that's like my biggest pet peeve when people are like, oh, the league is for women that are looking for rich men. I like, makes me so upset. Cause I'm like, it's like the opposite of why this app daddies. is even like yeah. sugardaddies.com. Sorry. Yeah. And you're right. I think men are confused because they've always had this sort of other role. And so now it's like, now it is about personality and now it is about like just compatibility and finding that person that you really just want to hang out with. This brings to a question and not to get too deep into this, but I feel like it's making marriage obsolete. It's not making men unnecessary, it's making marriage unnecessary. Back in the day, you get married for stability, for economic stability. You need a shelter, you need a right. food. I think now we, we date purely for activity partner reasons, you know, for companionship. Right. And if that doesn't work out, then we move on to the next one. So I guess I, I, I'm going to change the subject a little bit because I'm more interested in you, okay. Amanda. When was the last time a man made you happy? What did he do? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, you know, all my relationships have been, like, really positive, and I'm still friends with every person I've dated. So I actually don't have a ton of, you know, negative experiences. I think, yeah, when I think of, like, someone who's made me happy. I think it's someone who's there when you're down and who, you know, you have someone to talk to and it's mm -hmm. less about, you know, them and more about kind of they're, they're giving something away to you, right? They're giving their time, they're taking themselves away from something to show that you're really important to them. So, yeah, I mean, it happened. I was, you know, had to fire someone. It was like my first time firing someone. I was super upset and, um, yeah, my boyfriend at the time, like, you know, came over even though he had like a super early thing to get ready for and just kind of like hugged me and stuff. And I thought that was really sweet. Well, could you date someone who made less money than you? Oh, for sure I have. <laughs> have the men been okay with that? I think it's, I think they are. I do think it, it, it came up a lot during the relationship. And so I do feel that it, it wasn't just like we never thought about it, right? So it was something that like, I remember him mentioning, like, I always am used to, like, kind of the girl following me around, and, like, I sometimes feel like I'm your, like, trophy husband or something because I'd bring him to events or whatever. And so, um, yeah, and I, 
you know, and I couldn't go out with a lot of his friends, but then I would have an event and like be like, you need to come to this one, this one's super important or something. So I, I definitely had a little bit like more power in the kind of social structure and I do, it was a little bit tough I think for him and, and we're not together and I don't know if that's the reason, I don't think it is because I think he would have told me if that was the reason, but um, you know, it definitely, I don't think it's totally easy for a guy to do that. They still have to kind of deal with it. <laughs> have you seen yeah. anything in San Francisco that you think is different than other cities with like men in their openness to alpha females? You know, I think San Francisco is full of guys that are like really confident and actually open to dating alpha females. I mean, I guess they just swipe left on me, so I don't know. Maybe I just don't meet the ones that aren't. But, you know, all the guys I've met from the league are like, totally cool that think it's awesome or like that's so cool you have your own company I want to have my own company we'll like yeah. talk about their dreams and I think I, I do think San Francisco is like the future like we are living in literally you know 50 years ahead of like every other city we're in some sort of utopia so um, I, I've had a really good experience with the what are some of the issues that you're still facing here and a little bit of like everyone's pretty selfish like myself included like if I could choose you know, doing something that's going to help my company or, you know, you have friends getting married or like whatever. It's kind of all about you and your little world. And it's sometimes hard to fit someone new into your world. And that takes time. And then if you don't invest the time, like you never really get that person in your, I guess, in your like schedule. So are you in a place to date right now? Not really. <laughs> that's usually my like, okay. it's usually okay. my disclaimer is like, oh, I'm undateable, which is funny because this is the podcast. That is funny. That is funny. <laughs> disclaimer, I'm not really dateable right now. Right. But when will you be dateable? I've dated yeah. founders of companies where I'm like, you're never going to be fucking dateable. And were they? What happened? They, they're not dateable. <laughs> they're still not dateable <laughs> because that's their wife. That company is right. their wife. I will always be second priority. Well, I mean, I think that's the, the, you hit the nail on the head, like, are you okay with that? Right. Like, being second priority. Some people are. And, yeah. like, that was, you know, my, the reason I broke up with, uh, or we broke up mutually, Casey's listening. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, he, he was really, he really had a hard time being, like, second fiddle, and he didn't like that, and so that, you know, we ended it, because I was like, I can't give you kind of I can't be like the girlfriend you want where we're gonna right. hang out three times a week and I'm gonna go to a concert with you on like Monday nights at seven. Like that's, no, I work till 1 a.m. on Monday. It's like, that's just not gonna happen. But isn't so. that a catch 22? The guy who would be okay with your schedule would play second fiddle, but that guy wouldn't have the, the oomph to be your boyfriend. Well, that's the big argument of like, does an alpha need a beta? Like if you look at the comments on my article, like a ton of them were like, Girl, you need a beta male. Like, call me. And like, <laughs> it was like a bunch of like, I don't know, retired old men that are on LinkedIn. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I think is okay playing second fiddle, is okay kind of not being number one. Maybe they're at home painting. Yeah, you need a data painter, but a really famous one. The president, what's his number one priority, right? But he always has that first lady behind him. The role that first lady plays is tremendous too. I mean, the amount of political power that she has and all the work that she's doing, I imagine she puts her that as a priority and maybe their relationship is second. In a way, she's working with him. Right? Yeah, like, she's still pushing his if agenda. If you found a man that would be like in the league with you, like yeah. running it on a, a co-founder. <laughs> maybe my technical co-founder is finally out there and I can date him. There it is. The founder's dilemma. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's a, it is a really interesting question and I, I don't know how it plays out. I mean, I, I would like to 
think that like, yes, if I dated someone that was super into running their company and we maybe made plans once a week to meet each other, but um, I remember my ex-boyfriend said this, he's like, I feel like you're gonna be one of those women that are like with guys that you guys like don't even see each other and you're just no. sort of revolving and you're like on paper, this like perfect couple, yeah. but. And then you have those remote vibrators where he has to like control the vibrator through his app. Cause he can't, he can't be there with you. I mean, that's like, that's your relationship. I don't know, like you're not building, at least for me, I hope I'm not, you know, I hope at some point it's not as crazy. And like, you know, the older you get, the maybe the more you want to slow down and like focus on family and relationships. And maybe it's just not, right, right now that's not uh, a priority for me, but maybe in five years it will be and same with them. So it's sort of like, you're like dating with for potential, <laughs> for the potential of like settling down that's kind of with that person. I mean, that that's like the terrible way to date, you know, yeah. dating for someone's potential that's like working on a project. Yeah. But dating someone who's like, listen, I'll, I'll spend the next few years helping you. But after you take off and you get to a point where you're really happy with your company, that's my turn to but build my own. Reminds me of the House of Cards. Have you been watching this no, season? No. Uh -uh. Claire's like, it's my turn, you know? And then she's like, what? She's like, it's about me now. Come along, you're my first lady. That's why I brought up the whole presidential thing, right? Case two, I think the whole thing is just so new that like there's not enough like case studies out there to be like, oh, okay, it worked when one person was, you know, at home and one wasn't, or two power couples. Like, I mean, I think Sheryl Sandberg's one of the first like power couple I kind of saw that was somewhat, you know, not a celebrity power couple or whatever. And I think there's not enough out there to really draw any conclusions on like, is it a good marriage? Did the, are the kids, you know, well adjusted? No Did idea. they, you know, was it better than if she was a stay-at-home mom? Or if we don't really have kind of data to to prove against it. I mean, if if both people lean in, you just butt heads. I feel like one person used to lean in, and the other one used to embrace. See, that. I don't know if I agree with that. I think that's like a common like phrase, but I don't I don't know if there's like again like where's your data? Like why why do both people why can't both lean in? Like have you seen it like self-destruct? Like what? where, I mean, Cheryl Sandberg did it and they worked well. So like what, what is to say that both people can't lean in? I guess it's like defining what lean in is, right? Are you leaning in just for your own career and the other person's leaning in for their own career? Or are you leaning in into this relationship? And then I guess it goes to the idea of what is it that we're using the relationship for? What is the purpose of the relationship? Like, like To further yeah. our careers, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I do feel like at some point you do think about that, right? Could this person further my career? That, that's, that's what politicians do. That was, again, if we go back in history, that's how people partnered up. It was like, oh, the queen of Spain is gonna marry you know, some other country and then they'll join it. So I do think that, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it's interesting. I, I think we're still new to this whole like egalitarian power couple kind of world and so I mean it'll be interesting to see how it plays out and if it can kind of work but I, I hope it can because that's sort of what we've built our company around. I mean I hope so too. I don't yeah. want to die alone yeah. <laughs> with my five cats. Meow! Meow! Are you my cat? Will you meow one more time? Will you play second fiddle and just be my cat? Yeah. <laughs> I will. Um, I'll be your second. So earlier we were talking about the alpha female and I was curious as how does that show up in the bedroom? Hey, hey, hey. As we pour more wine <laughs> down. Oh, I mean, I don't think, I think they're totally decoupled. I do. Um, yeah, I think that like sexual chemistry is totally different <laughs> than, you know, what someone does nine to five and how they show up in the bedroom. So I don't, I don't think it's, you know, I know plenty of 
people, I have girlfriends that kind of play both roles and like you would never know if they're, you know, Oh, this is like getting awkward now. <laughs> hey, you're, hey, you're doing fantastic. Well, what about you? I mean, I don't know if maybe it's like after you're working hard all day, you do want to, you know, just be not be the, the kind of decision maker and yeah. all that. So the reason I bring that up is because it's so interesting when we bring the, the idea of, of the alpha energy, but it's like different roles in which we play. And so what is more your core is it more of like someone who does want to be dominated or is it someone who wants to be very dominating well, i'm not gonna use that word you don't like, have to use those words whatever synonymous words you like yeah when you just because you're an alpha female in like the working world and i again i hate kind of using that word just because it's you know i think it's you know i i don't actually think you need another word for it i guess i'm i almost like i said in my article i was like i'll use it because it resonates with people but at the end of the day I was like just because you're a girl and you're assertive and you go after what you want and you say what you think doesn't mean you need to have like a special label. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of against that word in some ways but um, I think that there are a lot of sides of people and yeah you don't want to have to make if you're making decisions from 9 to 8 p.m. every day and you're stressed out about a hundred things yeah I want to go home and have my boyfriend like kind of say you know take charge so yeah, yeah. I think that is that is like a common thing with people that do work really hard and do. But that's given that he didn't have a busy day, right? right? So how do you control that? It's your turn to be dominant. Yeah, now it's now we have the whole like issue it's with like, like both leaning in. It's like, no, you be on top. No, you be on top. <laughs> you do the work. No, you do the work. And then what happens, right? Fine, let's just watch porn. Let's watch porn. At that moment, if that happens, it's your turn to step up. Not lean in, step up. Yeah, just <laughs> straddle. Yes. <laughs> or, or, or yeah, sideways up, doggy style up, whatever style up you want, but up. Let's talk about what is it like running your own dating app? It's super weird. Did you ever, <laughs> did you ever think, like 10 years ago, did you ever think, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start my no. own dating app? No, and I think that, I was like, the people that are in that industry are crazy. Join us next time on Dateable as we continue our conversation with Amanda Bradford. We'll get to know the inner workings of the league app, what your league score really is, how to get off their long waiting list, who gets kicked out of the app, and find out what happened when Amanda created a profile for herself in New York and San Francisco. Also, we want to hear from you, our listeners. If you have a dating story, drop us a line. Remember, we can always keep you anonymous. Visit us at datablepodcast.com. Last but not least, stay dateable. The most efficient way to meet new people is a combination of online and offline. 500 Brunches has your offline covered. Connect over brunch with new friends. Come alone or bring a buddy. There is always a table full of friendly faces, mimosas, and eggs benedict. Sign up at 500brunches.com and use the code DATEABLE for a free entry.